Let's Hear It is a podcast for and about the field of foundation and nonprofit communications, produced by its two co-hosts, Eric Brown and Kirk Brown. No relation. Well said, Eric. And by the way, I'm Kirk. And, well, I'm Eric. <laughs> Uh, the podcast is generously sponsored by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. We're talking to people about their work and what's happening in the field with the hopes of making this growing arena a little more accessible to us all. You can find Let's Hear It on any podcast subscription platform. You can find us on Twitter at Let's Hear It Cast. And you can email us at hello at Let's Hear It Cast.org. Now let's get to the show. All right. So Eric, this week you had a chance to talk with Grant Oliphant. And um, I just think there was so much, there's so much in this one to get through. And um, I'm not the only one in the, in the earnest camp, by the way. I think you guys are very earnest with each other. We, we're, all right, we're earnest-ish. Okay. Well, give us the setup and then we'll listen to it. And then you and I can talk. Sure. Well, Grant Oliphant, he was, um, he was the chair of the communications network back when he was a wee wiggly worm communications director. At, at the Heinz Endowments. And after he left the he left the Heinz Endowments to become the president of the Pittsburgh Foundation. And then he went back to the Heinz Endowments to become their president. So he went from lowly communications director back when I knew him. And he has since now ascended the ladder, the, the skyscraper of foundation power. And now he is a big powerful dude but grant i i did know him when and he was the chair of communications network when i went on to the board that was way back in 2006 i think and we've been friends ever since and this was really fun because it's nice to be able to talk to someone who's got that much juice who uh and with to have such uh, you know a back history and he's a, he's a very, very smart guy and a really, really good speaker. Last year, I'll just tell one brief story and we can get into this. Um, last year at the Communications Network Conference, one of the speakers uh, backed out or was backed out or didn't end up coming or something at the la- very last minute. And, uh, and Sean Gibbons turned to Grant and asked him if he would replace this keynote speaker. And Grant took that opportunity to make I think a really terrific speech about foundation in times of tr- foundations in times of trouble oh, wow. and using the foundation voice in the context of all the things that have are were going on in society, including um, race challenges, including political challenges and the responsibility of all of us to use our voice to speak out when it when when you have to do that. And and Grant wrote this speech probably in a day. Wow. He he really stepped in at the 11th hour. And it was a, a highlight of all of the communications network conferences I've ever been to. It was really one of those kinds of moments where everybody looked at each other and, wow, we actually <laughs> – we do have some, some tools at our, our disposal. Now it's uh, our responsibility to go use them. Well, and Grant's – Talent is clearly on display in this conversation. So um, let's listen and let's come back and talk. Grant Oliphant, one of my favorite, favorite people. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. 
and it's yeah so i have to get get rid of all of the get all the obsequious fawning out of the way in the beginning <laughs> well i appreciate the obsequious fawning it's it's been part of our relationship from the beginning in both directions i have to tell you it's working for me how about you <laughs> it's uh it's um i can't tell <laughs> the jury's still out yeah the jury's still out we'll have to test it with some more obsequious fawning <laughs> i can do that i don't know yeah well you know we have this competition going for the for the most obsequious so it is uh you know it is it's it's, it's an abject pleasure for me to be here you know in your company I feel unworthy, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity, your lordship. <laughs> Abject pleasure. That's, it almost sounds painful. It does, actually. Well, thank you. And as I tell everybody, Grant is one of us who made it big. Well, yeah. I, I actually love. Uh, I love the fact that. Um, came into this role from a communications background and I actually think it's hugely helpful for for this role um, especially now because I think the the demand of philanthropy is to communicate well and tell good stories and um, and important stories and that's the role of communications folks this is interesting, though, because very few of our brethren and sister in, in communications are running foundations and yet communications is so important these days. Why is that? Is it that boards of directors are not noticing that or that we're just not making the case to be in leadership? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Plus, I think you, uh, you know, a lot of folks are very happy um, doing what they're doing in life. And, and that's, you know, I mean, sometimes you have great, you and I both know, superb communicators and that's what they want to do. So why not? You know, it's it's not an obligation of folks in that role to have to aspire to be then as the next thing, the leader of a foundation. You know, I think it's some of us are wired that way. Um, uh, but I also think that there is a tendency of, of boards to not see the communication skill set as central to what the foundation does. Um, and to not see the strategic breadth of folks in, in communications for leadership roles. Um, I, whether communications t people um, see that in themselves, I think, is also an open question. But I, when I look at the, the philanthropic landscape right now and I see what foundations really need to double down on, God, it's a lot of it is just communications, communications, communications. What this is interesting. Whenever anyone wants to work for a foundation, I always tell them it's kind of like the kids that watch the other kids on the playground playing. Because we, we're kind of once... <laughs> right. You know, that's great. I've never heard that before, but that's brilliant. You know, I I I always caution people you're a step removed, so be careful of you know, be careful of wanting this. But that's a great analogy, actually. And therefore someone who works at communications for the kids who sit on the playground and watch the other children playing what what really is the role of communications at a foundation 
Uh, you know, it's funny when you and I were um, coming up through the ranks in the foundation world. The it, it, it we had a struggle in those days just to get foundations to do annual reports. And you know, I don't know if you remember that, but now you know now we we're in a whole different sphere. And I I think the art of communications in the foundation arena has really advanced, and so is the art of how foundations view uh, communications. The the the. I, I do think a, a greater number of foundations view communications as central to their change agendas, and foundations themselves have become much more strategic about how they think through their role and their impact. I, I think I actually think foundations increasingly play a role in shaping societal conversation about issues that matter. And while we often do that through our grantees and um, and through the organizations that we're privileged to fund and support, another way in which we do it is through the use of our own uh, bully pulpit. And sometimes that's through uh, publicizing research that we've done um, or, or sharing the stories of what we're observing or funding campaigns designed to actually reach people in changing how they think uh, about an issue or what they understand about an issue. But I think we're doing it more directly. And part of that is facilitated by technology. Because again, when you and I were coming up in this field, the vehicles for communications were really what we now think of as the dinosaur age. You know, it was it was a lot of print. It was a lot of working through media. Um, now we have social media. We can communicate directly. Uh, you know, our foundation's experience has been that the 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 issue that we got the single largest national carriage on um, was something that we, where we posted. Uh, a statement directly on our blog and bypass traditional media entirely. And, you know, I think you're seeing more and more of that. So we, we're, we're both removed in the sense that we work through intermediaries and through grantees, but we're also immediate in the sense that we, we have this platform and the stature and respect that comes with being uh, a foundation um, in our society. And you- who who are you trying to communicate with, Grant? Is it your grantees? Is it? I mean, sure, it's everybody. But who do you see your specific audiences for from the foundation? You know, I'm I, I'm actually going through an evolution around this, Eric, because I, you know, the 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 old pat answer to that question was almost always, oh, we're trying to appeal to decision makers, um, and, you know, and that's 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 one of those vague terms that covers a lot of sins. Um, it uh, it also reflects the top-down world that we used to live in. I would say that we're still trying to reach people who are in a, you know, obviously we're trying to reach people who are in a position to affect the issues that we care about. So we are trying to reach grantees. We are trying to reach policymakers in our community. Um, we're, we're trying to reach experts in the fields that we're engaged in. Um, more and more, though, I think I at least, and I think the the team here, are viewing our audience as as um, everybody in the sense that we want to engage a broader public, and we want to seed thinking with a broader public that will be able to um, to run with it in ways that we can't forecast or control. You know, I've been very influenced in my in my approach to this work by 
the whole new power concept that Henry Timms has been talking about in his book, New Power. Um, I just think the world we're living in, because of the changes in communications technology, uh, is is and because of changes in thinking about who is respected and who is not, the old model of trying to communicate as the venerated institution um, doesn't really work anymore. And we we actually, in many cases, because where the old venerated institutions are are suspect in the eyes of of a public that um, is is increasingly moved by populist sentiments. And so I think trying to use communications in a way that feeds into broader conversations and broader movement building is an art form that we have far from mastered, but we're we're doing a lot of thinking about it and experimentation with it. You know, it's why we started a podcast, for example. Uh, you know, we're, we're just trying different modalities of, of reaching a broader audience. How's that going? And not just the podcast, but your own sense yeah. of whether your communications are working. I love my five listeners for the podcast. <laughs> no, no, I. Um, it's it's Did, it's, it's growing. You know, <laughs> you know uh, I I don't think so. <laughs> but I, but you know, I think um, you know it's it's like all things where um, when when we when we start when I started doing a blog uh, on and I don't I don't blog regularly. I blog when something moves me and I think it's important. Um, you know, the 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 attention that is paid to those blogs varies based on what the issue is and and what chord it strikes, whether it's local or national or you know I mean all of those things come into play and the same I think is true of the podcast a, a podcast to do well you have to do regularly and we've seen our audience grow um, we're in our in in between seasons hiatus right now that sounds very important but we've only had one yeah, season nice. <laughs> so, but uh, but i but i you know what, i think what we're what we're what we're doing is um, we're we're just trying to communicate more regularly and through different media and i honestly don't know um, how much of an impact I would say it's having. What I would say is that we are we are being tapped more frequently by people engaged in other conversations who know what we're up to, who have heard about things that we're doing, and um, for whom something that we've said or written has resonated. And I, you know, I think... That to me is um, is the stage we're in. You know, nobody knows how to make something go viral. Uh, there are people <laughs> who say they know how, but uh, you know, I think we're. And I'm not sure that in our field, having something go viral is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but but I, you know, I think usually I think we're. Itchy. Well, that's a different matter altogether. But you know, I think we're 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 just very focused as a foundation on how do we how do we do more of this direct outreach, um, reaching out specifically to the target audiences that we want to reach, but also direct out, outreach to a broader public to inform that public about issues that we care about. The other piece of this that I'd say, Eric, is, and this is very hard to measure, but um, we, you know, we care about conveying the values that are important to us. And 
Um, and that is important, especially in moments of crisis when, you know, when questions get raised about who you are and what you're up to and having a body of work that says this is who we are and what we care about um, has actually been important for us. I, I actually saw that for the first time years ago, uh, actually in the early 2000s. And I was at that point the VP for communications at the endowments Um and I, you know, my my boss uh, happened to was back to in your be, wiggly worm days, by the way. Uh, yes, <laughs> right. We best not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but we, if the, uh, but we, you know, we we were we were dealing with an environment where um, our board chair was happened to be married to somebody who was running for president, and the. Um, you know, the level of political scrutiny, we experienced very, very, very early on what it's like to be in the crosshairs of the political life factory, you know, that there that there really is this apparatus that has been constructed to generate an alternative reality about um, everything having to do with somebody, no matter how tangentially involved in the political realm. And our foundation became a target for for that apparatus. And you know, I, I'll I'll never forget getting a call from a reporter who who said, you know, you're you've been accused by a couple of congressmen in Florida of having funded um, the cre the the expansion of the internet in Castro's Cuba. Kind of news to me, given that we were a regionally focused foundation, um, but. You know, what protected us in those circumstances wasn't a denial, um, although we, you know, we obviously issued one. But what protected us in the circumstances with the, the media um, who, who were looking into it was that we had every grant of ours on our website and we fully disclosed what we funded. And, you know, it was pretty apparent from to even the most casual observer that that wasn't something we would do. Uh, but that's why, you know, I think I think really being thoughtful about communicating in ways that are transparent and open and, t and, and tell a story is important in ways you can't predict because you don't know what the payoff for that will be until it comes. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm all for transparency, although I'm not much for giving away my own strategies. I always said that glass pockets are great, but I draw the line at glass trousers. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not sure how that works in the. I'm not sure how that analogy works in the foundation <laughs> field, but. Well, I mean, if you if you talk about who, I mean, if you have grant making strategy around climate change, and you know that there are folks who are attempting to debunk it, and you are working with grantees that are dealing with a strategy that you would prefer not for other people to know oh sure oh sure you, you know I, yeah 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 no i think that's right i mean i think um i think there is a there there's an obvious line uh and and foundations have to be strategic and thoughtful about uh about what what they what they share and when they share it um and you you know that's a perfect example where you're trying to work on something as delicate as climate change you want to be you you want to have a strategy, and you want to be want to be thoughtful about um, how overt you are in sharing that strategy. Because the the danger is, of course, that it will be attacked before it even gets out the door. 
but the, there are pieces of it that you have to be overt about. You know, you have to be about uh, overt about what the grants are. The other thing I'd say about this, Eric, is we get very hung up in this field on, uh, you know, sort of beating ourselves up over the transparency issue. Most of the major foundations today um, that I've watched and that I respect are very transparent about their grant making and they're, they're very transparent about what they are working on. I think where we fall down is in is that we're not as adept at the proactive storytelling strategy piece that we that we need to embrace. And you know, one way for me of measuring that is that the the things we care about. You know, if you look at the values we espouse as a sector, by and large. Um, and the issues that we that we are fighting for, many of them in the public realm today are losing, and uh, or at least are deeply embattled. And so, something. You know, let's continue with your climate change example. Um, there is a case where, uh, in a way that we probably never could have foretold, even the fundamental science is under attack and the 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 notion that we should care about other people on the planet enough to worry about how this will affect them and us is under attack uh, we have these incredible attacks on uh, from the leadership in washington on um, fact on science on truth telling on data uh, on decency towards each other, on mutual respect and 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 civil behavior, uh, and the the responsibility I think for helping to counter that, we can't fight that out in the public polit- in the political realm, but foundations have a responsibility to be communicating a set of messages about why all of the why why that is deeply wrong and why all of those things matter to the functioning of a healthy society. And I, you know, I, I would just say that where I, where I really wish foundations would, would um, attend in terms of our communications energy is much more on the side of fighting for these values that we care about. And we've checked the box, I think, for the most part around transparency, and around conveying our fulfilling our public mandate, um, we we now have to get really better at at using the communications realm to fight for the share of mind around these core issues of human values that will will ultimately decide whether we're relevant or not, or whether we're successful or not. Do you see area, any area where we're we? And you can define we however you like, but we're winning. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, yes, sure. And I, I, I actually think it's when I said for a, a moment ago that we're losing, I, in many ways, I'm overstating the case because I think that there is still, even in um, the crazy time that we're living in, there is a core of human decency that a lot of people are coming back around to. And I think, uh, I hope, you know, the, the optimist in me believes will ultimately win the day if we all seriously fight for it. Uh, and so I do think that the foundation community um, and the broader, 
I don't know, let's call it a human movement for for human progress, um, where, where to the extent that foundations are a part of that and and are part of trying to create a broader awareness about how we're all connected and how we have to address things on a systems level and we have to create a planet where everybody is um, has the opportunity to, to find their own place and to succeed and to thrive. Um, all, by the way, what were once upon a time sort of unremarkable uh, <laughs> mom and apple pie types of values, but suddenly today feel weirdly political. Um, but, you know, to the extent that we're, we're part of moving that agenda, um, I think that foundations are, are in, uh, play, a, play a role in that. And I think we are contributing knowledge. I think we are... Uh, contributing thinking. Um, we are supporting organizations that are doing really good work and that are fighting the hard fight. So I would say that um, I would say that we're I wouldn't say that we're winning, but I would say that we are engaged in the fight and I would and I, and, and I actually think we need to engage more explicitly in the fight. You know I've I've become very worked up lately over our fields, sort of lazy, easy thinking um, enshrined in our misuse of Martin Luther King's quote about the arc of, uh, of, uh, of history bending towards justice, um, it, it flat out does not unless people bend it. And, you know, I think we sort of take solace in this idea that uh, as long as we do good work and, uh, you know, that and even though we'll face hard times that ultimately... Um, the the good will prevail. And if you look at human history, um, you know, the Dark Ages lasted a long time. <laughs> so, and, and yeah, yeah, we corrected for them eventually. But, you know, and, the, and, and, and what, you know, what happened in the wake of the Civil War with the, the myth-making around, you know, what the South was really fighting for and the and what the you know what 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 was really at stake I, you know we, the country lived with that with that mistake for a hundred years after the civil war so um you know i i think we need to be cautious about just assuming that there's an autocorrect function that brings society human society back towards justice it just takes a hell of a long time and a hell of a lot of hard fighting where I think foundations can do more on the communications front is be vocal about the values we, you know, we care about. So, you know, I get, I get asked this question a lot, Eric, about does it, you know, does that mean that we have, that foundation should all be vocal about this administration? And let's face it, not every foundation can do that. We certainly have the right to say this administration is way off, wildly off track and doing things that are, inhumane and unjust uh, a lot of foundation presidents wouldn't because of their organizations feel comfortable making that statement but they should feel comfortable coming out and saying you know what we're against family separation and the inhumane policies that are happening at the border we're against using um using government the the bully pulpit of government to denigrate government and destroy government you know we're against the dismantling of environmental regulations and and um and uh organizations that protect the environment we're against attacks on public health we're against uh, not not counting people in the census 
um, literally making them disappear because they don't they don't serve our public. We're against that all of those things, um, and and we're you know a, a, I think above all the piece that for me is missing is to say, to be very public in saying we're against the divisiveness that is attempting to um, to divide us along racial lines. I foundations should be front and center in defending their values around these things and being vocal on behalf of them. You don't have to be explicit about how that how that affects the political realm, but what you have to be conscious of is how the political realm is infecting public dialogue on our core issues and politicizing our core issues in a way that makes it harder for our grantees to do their work and may ultimately undermine the good of that work by making it impossible for them to fight for what they believe in without it being viewed as quote-unquote political. High stakes. Yeah, I've I've always said that that this fear of being criticized at foundations is mystifying to me. I've always said we have, you know, foundations have paper-thin skins and we're hemophiliacs. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I have to write that one down. (laughs) (laughs) But and yeah. and I mean, so like kind of to wind this conversation up, and I didn't get a chance to ask you about your childhood or when you went into your mom's room and said that you wanted to work in a foundation as a as a six year old, uh, or any of those things. So maybe we can hold that for the next time. But to to wind this up with some more fawning obsequiousness, <laughs> I would say that you have that, that you now that you have ascended to the throne at at Heinz is that you have nice thick skin and really good clotting properties in your blood because <laughs> well well I appreciate that you've done a really good job talking about these issues and using communications to advance your foundation but the issues that you care about and on behalf of of the brethren and sistren in the comms field I say thank you sir well I I really appreciate that thank you that's that's actually high praise and I I, I really um, I take it, and I, you know, I, if I if I can just add one obsequious comment of my own, Eric, towards the field, <laughs> I, you know, I I just I was so fired up um, when I was given the opportunity to talk with the uh, Comnet gathering uh, a year ago about uh, you know about what what I saw happening in our society, and I think that the folks in in the communications field have such a cool opportunity and such a sacred responsibility to use their craft to to um, change the narrative in our field and in the broader society. Um, I just I, I I hope that they see the position of privilege that they're in, and I and I am tremendously grateful that the field has grown and that so many people with the sort of talents that I saw in that room that day are willing to lend their talents to philanthropy because we damn well need it. Well, that's for sure. Uh, Well, on that note, I'm going to say thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. And I do hope that we can continue this conversation in the not-too-distant future. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much, Grant Oliphant, my hero. (laughs) (laughs) Call me back. (laughs) Bye. Oh my gosh, Eric, what a conversation. Once again, we get to be a fly in the wall. 
I, I loved it. You know, one of the things we didn't talk about much in the setup, but just struck me immediately is that, um, you know, Grant coming from communications, you know, that that's his professional, if you will, background. And then he's able to enter this role as, as a leadership person in these really significant philanthropies. I think he's our first, maybe I would be curious to get your characterization of this, but, but I think he's our first person who can really see the whole thread of communications weaving through every single thing that a foundation does. It's not a tool and tactic sitting at the side, but in fact, it's, it's part of the strategic backbone of everything that the foundation is trying to do. Trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because he, he calls out foundations for not using communications well enough. And that's, I, them's, them's fighting words. If you ask me, <laughs> but, but and he's the guy who can do it, right? Cause he's been doing this, you know, he, before that he was, the communications director for Senator John Hines. So his, oh, wow. his Hines connection goes way back, which was where he met Teresa Hines, which is in, in when John Hines was killed in the, in the plane, act, plane crash. Uh, he mm. ended up going to work, um, I think, is when he went to go over to work for the foundation. He, he goes way back in this field. He goes, go, goes back in communications and in politics, which is where I think a lot of these threads come together. In that he understands politics and society, and he understands philanthropy and communications, and I think he is pulling them together in interesting and powerful ways, and that's great. I mean, it's really exciting to see, and I think that he has had an effect on many of his colleagues in philanthropy. I think they see that the the value of the person who runs the foundation, and and what they say matters. So a recurring theme for me that's showing up in all these conversations of yours is this whole idea that communications as a word, it's, it's not the right word. It's a crappy uh, so, word. Well, because you know, it's like you guys start, you, you know, he has, he says back in the day we were struggling to get people to produce annual reports, you know, and then it's rolling all the way forward now to, you know, he's talking about the podcast that they're running mm. and, and, and he's happy with his audience of five, but you know, while yes, those things all relate to this thing we call communications, there's so fundamentally different thoughts about the role of what you're trying to do. And, and don't you agree? It just feels like there's, there's, there's a word here that's missing, or at least it felt that way to me, that this word communications is just not right. It's not adequate or it's too generic for all the different it's, purposes. It's a terrible about. word. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything at all. And often people will say, oh, communications, well, we, we don't really need to do PR. Or we, you know, we just want to get the word out. Well, you know, and and you want to just shake people. What what we're really yeah. in is well, we're in the persuasion business. That part I feel pretty confident about because if everybody was doing the things that they were supposed to be doing, we would just I would just go sling tacos somewhere. <laughs> I go find a nice job being a caddy. Uh, but well, you know, in, in his reflection about, you know, that our whole focus on decision makers is actually potentially a major strategic, I, I don't know, I, I'm going to mischaracterize it, but, but just him, him, him saying, I've been thinking about that a lot and that, you know, that's inadequate. Maybe that's yeah. a word for it. Well, this is, um, what do you think about well, that? That's, it's really interesting. There is a central conceit and we have to just kind of get our heads around it, which is that. These positions are bully pulpits. They can be. Certainly the Heinz endowments in Pittsburgh 
if you know when Grant Oliphant talks, people listen. It's like E.F. Hutton. Yeah. The, they have the potential to shape how people think about important issues, and it goes beyond decision makers. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I mean, it's a good thing with Grant, but whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that philanthropy has this has the potential to have this much influence is maybe a topic for another day. But the fact is that I think that is probably the case in certain circumstances. Darren Walker, when he says something, it moves markets, however defined, Mm -hmm. whether it's the nonprofit world thinking that the Ford Foundation may be interested in investing in a certain area, so they need to be thinking about it differently, to some policymakers or decision makers who are thinking about aspects of you know, policy that that could be might be supported by a Gates Foundation or a Chan Zuckerberg yeah. or Bloomberg or someone like that. So it 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 goes beyond policymakers. And it does. Hey, look, if someone's going to listen to you and you present a decent idea, then if that decent idea has some something behind it, then maybe that is a responsibility of a philanthropist to move ideas that that can make a difference. The central conceit is always that you know what you're talking about and you can't always take it for granted, but it is you, you just kind of have to understand that there is this conceit when you work at a foundation that you have the you have the solution or that you have an idea or a strategy that can work. And, you know, that, it's a bit of a bit of a leap of faith. I have to I have to confess. Yet Grant is really clear. He's also saying we have to talk about our values. And yeah. and that piece jumped off the page for me. And it's funny. So this is this progression. We're not just talking about annual reports. We're not even just talking about transparency. Let's disclose what we're doing. Though I thought you guys had a really interesting back and forth about back and forth about, you know, what is the nature of that trans- transparency and what's most helpful. But this whole notion of proactive storytelling strategies and just about the the vision of the world we're trying to embrace. And so this was one of the things I got to listening to this. I was like, you know what? This strategic thinking about what's going to move the needle, this thing we call communications, but it's the wrong word, I think is so fundamental to the fabric of any strategic foundation in terms of what it's trying to Mm -hmm. do. Is it almost fair to start thinking about these foundations? In fact, do we almost need to just cop to this that they're actually – media platforms they're actually they're nothing but bully pulpits Mm -hmm. they're nothing but a big mouthpiece and when you actually look at every single thing that they're doing irrespective of the domain they're trying to influence or the tools and tactics underneath that they're really just assembling different pieces that are trying to get that notion of narrative out front and center and actually, if you just if you just thought of it yourself as a media platform where would go, it might give you one of the best metrics you could use to actually evaluate impact because you would be counting basically your resonance with whatever audiences you cared about. Hmm. That to me almost feels like some arc. And I granted that's really tricky, but it just I don't know. I feel like I feel like Grant and people like him are, are actually wrestling with that in a really interesting and intelligent way. What what you just said there gave me it just gave me a splitting headache. <laughs> I don't, I, I have a I have a bottle of Advil downstairs. I'm going to have to tuck into that. No, I know what you're saying. It just it's, yeah. it it, yeah. it kind of busts my mind open a little bit. Well, I I guess you're. And then uh, this is a conversation for a, another m- millennium. But the idea of what is the nature of philanthropy and how do you use your voice and what you know how do you use your money? 
all of those things are, I guess, roll up into it. But yeah, foundation is a lot more than just what it says. But still, but it's the values behind yeah, what it's saying. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I think to me that you, this is the heart of the discovery, this process of discovery we're on is this yeah, kind yeah, of conversation, yeah. how it's being teased out. And so the last thing then that last conversation you guys had, or Grant's like, yeah, we've kind of misused that idea of arc of history bending towards justice because it doesn't just bend. That was a, that <laughs> was, he dropped a bomb right there, if you ask me. Well, and there's an element of all these discussions. By the way, you hit a certain point and then it gets really real. <laughs> it's almost like like by the 20 minute mark, now people are really warming up. And and I and again, I just came back to that notion. I'm like, right, it, it's only going to bend if there's enough heat applied. You know, yeah. if if there's enough heat, if there's enough force, if there's enough influence, and Again, we we know we all think of foundations playing that role, at least the foundations that we've worked in and around, um, and of course the organizations that are supported by them. But yeah, it's just what a what a I loved it. What a conversation. Well, yeah, I mean he he's, he says that. Well, I, I just think that it's very interesting. He he kind of calls the question, which is you have to actually work at this, and you have to, and you can't just assume that things are going to get better because th- right. there's <laughs> because. He's with the with the middle. What did he say? The Middle Ages took a really long time. Right, we were in the Middle Ages for a long, long time. Right. Well, it'd be still my beating heart, Eric. You asked the "Are we winning?" question. I loved it. Uh, are we winning? I don't know. I, just, uh. I I ran out of questions. I guess that's why I did it. Like, when you run out of questions, you just ask if they're winning or if we're winning. Yeah. But he's a great guy, well, and man. he's he really fun to talk to, and I'm, I'm glad he's there. Well, thank you, Grant, so much for letting us all listen in. And, um, you know, and again, there's just so much uh, people are just being so honest with you and open. I just it's really priceless. So until next week, let's hear it. Bye, everybody. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. Please let us know if you have any thoughts about what you hear today, including people we should have on the show. And that includes yourself. We'd like to thank Maggie Brown, our intrepid production coordinator. Sarah Morgan, our tireless social and digital media maven. John L.E., our tuneful and inspiring composer of the theme music. Ben Rockwood, our brilliant partner behind the production curtain. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation for supporting this work and for a host of other important initiatives in the world, particularly around communications and journalism. We certainly thank our guests and, of course, all of you. And thank you, Mr. Brown. Well, no, no, no. Thank you, Mr. Brown. (laughs) Until next time. Let's hear it.